Hello, and welcome to the Star Power Cast, the definitive podcast for the game of Star Power Baseball, a game for generations where your fantasy baseball comes to life on the tabletop. We'll also discuss the history of baseball and just the present state of the game itself. I'm Jim Trovo, the baseball nerd, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Cincinnati Dennis. We hope you all enjoy the show. Hello, I am Jim Trovo, the baseball nerd, joined by Cincinnati Dennis in the Cincinnati Razorback room. We're at your remote today. This is our first podcast that has been remote. Every other podcast in the history of the Star Powercast has been in person. With uh, the exception of having Gabe on the show for one time. yeah, Due to (laughs) the vid reasons, we can't do this in person just because the last few weeks has been uh, uh, difficult to make that happen. But we're here, ready to go. We're going to talk about some baseball today. Main topic of discussion. The Hall of Fame, BBWAABBW, whatever Hall of Fame vote in vote. Ended yesterday. The, the results came in yesterday. Yep. And we've had some time to react to the reactions and give our own reactions. But today we're going to talk about our both our uh, viewpoints on the Hall of Fame election vote. That's the main dedication for this episode. However, before that, a couple... Uh, Things to talk about in the star powered baseball world of cards. So, what do you got? We got, we had a, a Facebook Live episode, essentially, that's what that was, about the all time AL and NL cards. Do you want to talk about those? Yeah, it flipped a few, it, it, it got into a few people there. I mean, we had quite a few listeners, contributors. We had quite a good uh, contingency of contributors. But the listeners is what got me. I thought that was really good because after I I tuned out and saw that, we had quite a few people that actually checked it out. Um, The cards are out there now. Um, I think they're 10 bucks a set for the cards, but they're out there. They're on a weird background so that they're different. Some of the pictures (laughs) are brand new. I had a difficult time accepting them at first. However, like watching them back to back to back to back to back when you pulled them up on that. And you guys can go on our Facebook page and watch that stream. Um, those cards are really, really pretty. Love them. And you saw Gabe and I's discourse and the people in the chat's discourse about who should and shouldn't be on those teams. And I think it's a great series of cards that are going to be introduced now. It's like we have this first introductory set of who is the all-time NL and AL cards but now, like through our discussion that we had, we're like, okay, no, this guy needs to be on the team too. I want that. I want that version of that card. That's really cool. And, and you know, our discussions are not meant to answer questions. Our discussions are meant to get people talking about it. That's what it's all about. I don't profess to be the be all end all final word. I do know a lot about the game, but I know enough to know that I don't know a lot. I think that, and I think every great baseball fan should acknowledge that. It's like, dude, this game, you you can profess to know a whole bunch, but not be the person that actually knows more than you should. That's why those managers make so much money. (laughs) (laughs) Isn't that everybody's dream? I just want to manage my own baseball team. And then be Babe Ruth, like in a pinch hit situation. That's what, that's what it is. Right. My favorite quote that I've heard in the past two, three months was from Frank Robinson. 
And Frank Robinson became the player manager of the Cleveland Indians through uh, protest. He did not want to play. He merely wanted to manage. And so they made him play anyway. And Frank came up and batted with uh, bases loaded as a pinch hitter. That means they had to throw him strikes. Yeah. He, al- he also batted against curveball throwing left-handers. He said that was the only time he played. He played against curveball throwing left-handers, and he would pinch hit with the bases loaded. Other than okay, that, now I want to watch Barry Zito versus Frank Robinson. Oh, yeah. You, there you go. Frank would have loved it because he doesn't throw the ball hard and high. You know, that's it. But that was good. He says, I only want to bat against curveball throwing left-handers. <laughs> so that set is now available from Star Power, the uh, all-time NL and AL sets, right? Oh, yeah. And, um, and um, I'll tell you another thing that really impressed me. This morning, or was it yesterday, when you put up the David Ortiz new Hall of Fame card? <laughs> the golden fire background. The, the golden fire background. I like it. I t- I'm telling you, man, I think we stole each other's ideas. I like that. I, I like <laughs> the new, you're doing the revamp of the Hall of Fame set. So all you guys out there that have it, you can buy it again, I guess. You get the new revamped Hall of Fame set, which you have not emailed me yet. It's the special edition, man. It was like that. That's what games are all about: is that having that special edition, that rare find. Like, hey, there's only like five sets of this in production, type of stuff. That's what this set is about. I'm good with that. Yeah. yeah. So I'm not getting one, even though I invented the game. I'm not. Uh, getting you'll get. <laughs> Maybe I'll give you a partial one. I do want to point yeah. out though, it's 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 players only though. It's like you made the Hall of Fame set initially with people like Joe Torrey and Clark Griffith and some other those, those, those guys. But right. like my set is strictly guys that were voted in as players. So John McGraw is not in your set. He is not. No. And that's one heck of a 340 hitting card. Man. No, but, but I'm telling you, it's a special edition set. That's why I got sorry. you. Sorry. Sorry. I like, sorry. I like it. I like it. But David, are- David Ortiz now officially is in the set because I think it's going to come out in 2022. I've been working on it, but. I really, really like the way we're doing the new cards on the back, making the back bigger and crisper and clearer. Yeah. I like it. I'm sure that our patrons out there are going to like it too. Speaking of patrons, did you know we got seven new members this week on the website? Thanks, guys. I appreciate that. That's amazing. Thank you. That, if you're, if you're listening to this, that's awesome. Yeah, it is, man. That's just really, really good. Community grow. growth, man. Community yeah. growth. That's what it's all about. Through a few games and- out there. I've been, well, I've been also following, uh, I've been ha- I've had a habit lately of following a whole bunch of other baseball card games and board game and dice games, uh, sites on Facebook and different other types of social media cards, especially because I just want to see how other communities are reacting to different types of baseball games. And again, Stratomatic is the biggest thing in there in the, in the, in the market. But if you guys are Stratomatic people, or if you're what, what, what's the other one? ASPB APA. APA? Apple. Okay. That one. <laughs> APBA. Apple. Right. If you're a fan of those games, our game is right in your alley, man. I really think it is. It's collectible. It has a really quick way to play it. So if you haven't given our game a try and you're fresh to this podcast and you've been playing other baseball card games and baseball board games, that type of stuff, give Star Power Baseball a try. Just throwing that out there at the start. Well, a couple of... Uh couple of pages on Facebook that I've been following fairly closely. Baseball Gaming Extravaganza is one, and they they asked me 
I said, do you want me to post a card of the day on there? So I've been putting the Star Power Baseball card of the day on there. And shout out to Earl Shamblin out there who has the uh, Tabletop Plus, yep. Baseball Tabletop Plus. He got a game. I sent a game out to Earl. He'll be making a video review of that here shortly, uh, next month or two, putting our game on his. And he's got thousands of viewers. So yeah, I'm looking forward to that. Cool. And uh, so that's pretty much it for uh, Star Power Baseball News right now. We, I mean, we got to keep it slow in the wintertime. You know what I mean? Yeah, we still have. And Bill Schmidt, Muddy, just talked talk to me today. We still have those uh, points cards packs. And we're missing one today. Our big thing on our podcast, one of the things that people really love is Remy Opens Packs. And this long distance type thing due to circumstances beyond our control is stopping that. But what we'll do is the next podcast, Remy will open two packs. Okay, there we go. That's good. Or I can just make one for him. <laughs> but it's bedtime for the kiddos. That's why. That's another reason why. There you go. Yeah. So uh, shout out to every one of our Facebook supporters. Uh, any uh, per- people that have purchased the game, or purchased cards or catalogs or just go on the site in general. So thank you for the support. We really appreciate it. But now I want to get into the meat and potatoes of today. And our That's main what I had for supper tonight, I had steak and potatoes. Yes. Well, I feel good. There you go. That was my, that was my lunch. So yeah, let's talk about the hall of fame. Now, hall of fame. Our last episode, or maybe one before that, I can't remember. We talked about the six guys that were inducted by a veterans committee, stuff like that. But today we're going to talk about the in baseball fact, did, writers hall of fame choice. Well, didn't we do that podcast the day that they were announced? Oh, we did. Uh, yeah. We this did. is a day yeah. later. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, we, we were fortunate enough to be at the same location the day that like like in like 20 minutes after they announced that. So right, that's right. right. But today, today we're talking about strictly like let's talk about the writer's vote. And so everybody knows that dun, 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 David Ortiz was the only player by the Writers Association that got voted into the Hall of Fame this year. It was close too. It wasn't like a big overwhelming Get him in. He made it by like 10 votes, which is cool. I like it. It was quicker. It was closer than I thought it was going to be. You know, yeah, it was 78%, I think. 77.9. Yeah. I, I mean, I need to pull up the, the results, but Ortiz getting in. I think there is uh, definitely some controversy going on with that. Well, there is, but what you're seeing also is two things change in the hall of fame in the past five to 10 years. Number one, the respect for the DH Frank Thomas, Edgar Martinez, and now big poppy, all primarily DH. And also the respect for the relief specialist in the pitchers with getting those. So I'm, I'm liking the way that, that the writers are seeing the game is changing. Changing, yes, but I don't know. I think there's this resistance to the change in regards to the National League old school guys. I, 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 I think that's the main resistance to that. So, like, as regard in regards to like the DH change, okay, yeah, like people are kind of accepting it now, but. I think the main thing you got to talk about with David Ortiz getting the Hall of Fame, first of all, you talk about the positive. 
The main thing, though, and we'll get to all of it. The main thing, though, is the cloud of steroids, like the, the 20, 2003 PED report that is, quote unquote, you know, possibly a false positive. Is he deserving in regards to his statistical achievements as what he did and his postseason achievements? Yes. But Absolutely. I, but now he is this quintessential question of, well, did he or didn't he not? And he claims that he didn't. So we take his word for it. But yet there's other players in the game that we don't take their word for it. Yeah, and, and it, it separates it, it divide, it's divisive among baseball fans, among the players, among the writers. Uh, some players are bitter about people that use steroids and they vehemently claim that they did not, you know, but I am such a skeptic that I don't believe any of them. I, I've just, I'm just refusing to believe any of them. I think all of them did something to recover and enhance all of them whether it was a protein shake or human growth hormone, they all did something. So 100% of players did something. Something. Really? Now, maybe it wasn't illegal, but it was something. And, okay. and one of the arguments that they give is that, that Roger Clemens had these amazing seasons after 40 years old. So did Nolan Ryan. Okay, I, I'm going to actually argue against the whole Roger Clemens after his 40 years old. Nolan Ryan actually had better years, I think, than Clemens did post-40s. Like, I went, I've made those cards. I've done those statistical numbers on Clemens after 40. He should not be what he was for a 40-year-old. That's the case. But his so-called legendary numbers as a 40-year-old, they're not as good as people I think or might remember them to be. Right. I totally, he want to say he, the big thing was that ERA of what 1.83 or something after 40. That was right. the big, now, he won the Cy Young in 2004 at the age of 41. However, the only thing that he led the league in was winning percentage. He was 18 and four that year with the Astros, but he did not lead the league in any other statistical category besides winning percentage. If that tells you anything about how they judged the Cy Young in 2004. Okay, well, let's just – the best comparison I draw up to him is Nolan Ryan. And Nolan Ryan struck out 300 batters at age 42. The cool thing I saw about Nolan Ryan actually was like he had four years of his career, 27 years, that he struck out more batters than he let on base. And those were in it all in his 40s. <laughs> I mean, you think about that. What's this guy doing after age 40? Well, he says he's training, training, training. He got huge. If you look at Nolan Ryan in 1969, 70, 71, he's a tall, skinny guy. You look at him in, in 1986, 87, 88, 89, this guy's a monster. So where are you going with the Nolan Ryan argument here? Hey, I'm just planting a seed. Nolan Ryan, one of the greatest pitchers that ever played. You are planting your seasons after the age of 40 lead me to question things. Oh man, now you're digging way back. Yeah, but you're telling me you're a lot of people, not just you, a lot of people. Clemens had these great seasons after 40, so did Nolan Ryan. But you're not going to hold Nolan Ryan accountable for that. You're going to give that to him 
because of his great work ethic. So you get to dig for stuff on Nolan Ryan to say like, oh, well, look at Ryan. He might have been on steroids too. No, not this at all. I'm what just you're saying doing. he has these miraculous seasons after the age of 40. Don't just say Clemens, since he had these great seasons after 40, had to be doing something. If you're no, but this is my argument blame- that like Clemens didn't have the – like he was playing for the top clubs – Nolan Ryan never played for the top clubs in his career, except for a handful of times. Like Clemens was played for the top clubs in the, the end of his career. Right? The top clubs don't strike people out. The pitcher does. But he didn't lead any of the league in K per nine or like long, like well, the only thing that Clemens was offering in his forties was innings. It wasn't like the best innings. Like he, I mean, he I was you. better than the average pitcher. Not like no doubt, but like, Man, I don't know. I, I think they, I think they're all overselling Clemens in his later years. Okay, and and I look at Roger Clemens' star power baseball card, and it's a very overpriced card. No, it, it's it's. I would much rather take a CC Sabathia. Thank you. Yeah, Clemens is an eight four or a seven four, but his card ain't that great. It's okay. I mean, it's he's okay. got two. He's got two good sized outs. He's got a really big H minus. Yes, but again, he's a pitcher that hung on for the last, the last eight years of his career. That was like, he was good. He was really good for like. But we all know where it came from. It came from performance enhancing drugs, man. It's like, okay. <laughs> like when you when you get to your late thirties, you know, you're like, hey, um, what can give me some years to hang on? And Clemens has even come out and said, look, I gave up the Hall of Fame. 10 years ago with my family and like we understand that like i'm not getting in we don't care what i did as a baseball player i established the so uh the good fortune of my family for years to come because like he he financially made himself stable i I agree and they and uh that was one thing that they mentioned who was it i think it was uh uh one of the voters that's on the panel yesterday on mlb he said that they did give up the hall of fame but they got the records and they got the money. Yeah. And that's honestly, I, I, I know there's a whole bunch of young players out there that are looking at that going, you know, they're right. Like baseball is a sport where you have a one 10,000 chance of getting into the hall of fame, you know, or maybe a one in 5,000. I don't know. It's, it's not 1%. that percent. It's yeah. a 1%. Okay. So one out of a hundred. Right. There's been 20,000 major league baseball players that come through and there's about 200 in the Hall of Fame. Okay. Well, my math was way off on that. But anyway, a lot of those guys know that, hey, my chances of doing that, very, very slim. So if I get a huge financial opportunity to do that, then they're going to take it. They just are. Baseball is capitalism and baseball is money grabbing. That's what it is. Well, their career is so short. It's not like they have a career where they can last the average baseball players three to five years. Get it while you can guys. But here's the main question. Do they deserve to be in the hall of fame? Roger Clemens. Yeah, I think so. Why? I mean, we've talked about number stuff, but like other than, other than him being, you know, one of the top right-handed pitchers statistically of all time. Like, why would you put this guy in the Hall of Fame right next to Christy Mathewson? Because he was the best pitcher in the American League seven times. 
Well, according to the writers who did not vote him in. But the writers voted him in Cy Young Award. <laughs> they did. They but, did. Seven but times. now they look back upon they look back upon that. And it's not the writers that actually probably gave him the seven Cy Young Awards, but the writers now are looking back upon that going, oh no, no. You might have been the best seven times, but you're not a Hall of Famer because you know you cheated with PEDs. So we shouldn't have gave you the MVP then. Or should or they? We, but when we voted for you, it was okay. When we voted for you to win the uh, the the Cy Young Award, it was okay to do the drugs or the, the enhancers. But after your career's over, we made a mistake giving you those Cy Youngs. Kind of two-faced about the writers. Okay, well, sure. Sure. They're going to give him the Cy Youngs seven times, but not a lot. Same writers. Same guys. No, they're not. I just said that they're, they're not all the same guys. No. Not all of them, but a lot of them. You're going to vote him a Cy Young, but you're going to keep him out of the hall. Okay, but don't you hate the feeling of being duped, though? And I think that's where the writers are in the situation is that, you know, hey, their job is to cover you, cover you, cover you for years and years and years. And you do these great things at the time. They're writing this. They're praising you. And then all of a sudden, like, when you find out that, like, these guys were not on the level and you wrote stuff about them being great, what does that do to you as a content creator? What does that do to you as a writer? Yeah, I, 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 get, the, I get the philosophical edge on that side. But they're, they're basically saying, oops, we shouldn't have done that. We shouldn't have given him those awards. Same with Barry Bonds, giving him all those MVPs. Well, the writer's power right now is to put people in the Hall of Fame, and the player's power is to make millions of dollars by taking performance-enhancing drugs. Yeah, and that's <laughs> what you know—that's what they were doing back then. I, I get it. Yeah. So, okay, Clemens disappointed. Not I, actually, I'm not really disappointed over Clemens. I really, I, I'm not. Like, should it be in the Hall of Fame? Jack Morris is in the Hall of Fame. Yes, Roger Clemens would probably be in the Hall of Fame. I really think they put Jack Morris in there um, because they're like, oh, dude, just imagine uh, what Jack Morris can probably do on steroids. <laughs> you know, like, just think about it. Like, a ton of these guys, like the Harold Baines argument, the Jim Rice argument, the because uh, some of these guys are, people are upset that some of these dudes went in. Um Good grief. Uh, Rabbit Moranville. Imagine, just imagine a world where Rabbit Moranville was a 20 home run a year shortstop. Oh, yeah. He was the cleanup hitter for the Braves for a lot of years. <laughs> here's, here's, the, here's the biggest thing, I think, of why. I mean, this is why Bonds and Clemens aren't in the Hall of Fame. They were not nice to the writers at the end of the career. They didn't give the writers what they wanted. And then after they retired, they didn't give them more. And the writers are holding it against them. They held it against them. They're done now. Like the They're writers done. said, they took a 10-year period and said, hey, no. Right. And now it's out of the writers' hands. It will be in the Veterans Committee in five years. I mean, if you also paid attention to the social media world of the writers releasing their ballots with uh, uh, Ryan Thibodeau's um, Hall of Fame tracker, right? The thing that he does, right. which is excellent, excellent work. 
Uh, but if you study those numbers, you know, beginning in like, you know, whenever they released in like late November or December or whenever, maybe earlier than that, uh, but you could track it. You saw it coming. Um, but this year, Bonds and Clemens tracked way better than they ever had in those uh, first 150, 160 to 175 votes. Uh, and then when they released the final numbers, uh, Bonds had a couple more votes than Clemens, I think. Um, but they were the closest they, they had ever been. Right. right. Um, but man, like you go through Facebook feeds, you go through uh, Twitter feeds, like watching people's comments about uh, or reading people's comments about who and who, who should not be in the Hall of Fame. And the, the staunch people that are like Rose Jackson or Pete Rose, Shoeless Joe Jackson can't be in the Hall of Fame. Then Bonds and Clemens shouldn't be. Uh, but again, I'm going to go back to David Ortiz is and David Ortiz is linked to PEDs. And that's the gateway. I, I'm in agreement with you right there. Now, do I believe that David Ortiz is a Hall of Famer? Is he deserving of being into the Hall of Fame? Most definitely. David Ortiz was magic. He, David Ortiz was almost bigger than the game when he was playing for Boston in that stretch where they won those, those three championships. I mean, without David Ortiz, they don't win those championships. Of course, he has Pedro Martinez on that team, and he's got some other big names on that team. But David Ortiz is the backbone of that team. He's the guy who hit the clutch home runs. 11 walk-off homers in his career. That's incredible. No, I, uh, I remember those games. Uh, they're etched in my brain. Um, yeah. <laughs> they're etched in my brain because I, I watched the 2004 series the Red Sox and the Yankees and just remembering it being just soul crushing. And actually I didn't really like that Yankee team at the time. I knew they were kind of garbage with their pitching staff. And I mean, I know like major league pitching is great, but their starting pitching wasn't spectacular. They had Messina and then everybody else. Um, and that's kind of been, been the case with the Yankees ever since then. They've always had like one great guy that everybody else has been meh. They've had great bullpen. Uh, but I remember the 2004 series and Ortiz every night after night just doing stuff. And yeah, like, it was Ortiz. That's... Yeah, it was Ortiz the whole time. Ortiz, Ortiz. And then he continued Ortiz. it for another decade, man. Even as yes. in 2013, man, in the World Series against the Cardinals again, like Ortiz was a monster. Yeah, it was 541 home runs, like over 600 doubles, like, and and the whole concept of his story where uh, he gets like let go by Minnesota, like at the age of what, 26 or 27, right? Yeah. 26, uh, 27. Yeah. Yeah. just gets let go. And then the Red Sox are like, we'll take him. <laughs> and he became yeah. a legend. How about this? At age 40, David Ortiz, OPS 1.021 at age 40. Okay. But you're not supposed to have those kind of numbers when you're 40. At age 40, he led the American League in doubles. He led the American League in RBIs at age 40. He hit 38 home runs and batted 315 at age 40. When you're supposed to be on a downhill, he posted almost the highest batting average of his career. Yeah, yep. only one time during his career did he hit higher than that. Excuse me, twice. Yeah. Yeah, so I don't know. I mean, again, 
Congrats to Ortiz. Um, and I, I, you know, I'll tell you what, I enjoyed watching him play. I did enjoy watching David Ortiz play, spitting on the glove and slapping the hands together, grabbing that bat and looked like a toothpick. You know, he was, he was fun to watch. He was fun to watch. Yeah. And then after the Boston bombing coming out, he was, he was amazing. He yeah. was, he, he, he was Boston. He was their, their guy. He was their hero. Kind of like, uh, kind of like Mike Piazza to the Mets, you know, during yeah. that same kind of time. Yeah. Yeah. Let's talk about some people who uh, did not get in the hall of fame. Okay. All right. So we got, well, we talked about bonds and Clemens, Scott Rowland. Trending up. Big he jump. Is, he is, man. I, I think he's a Hall of Famer. Actually, I think he's probably going to be a Hall of Famer next year. Why is Scott Rowland a Hall of Famer? Well, I, I'm going to get a lot of flack for saying this. I think he was a better analytical third baseman than Brooks Robinson. Now. <laughs> Talking about you, fielding? Yeah, yeah. If you But if you go over the I, – I, Brooks Robinson, to me, is still the best all-time fielding third baseman. But if you look at comparative numbers through a peak of career, Scott Rowland had a better peak, I believe, than Brooks Robinson did. And he was a far superior hitter. Far superior, yeah. So if you're asking me who I'd rather have in the peak of their career as a third baseman, I'm going to go Scott Rowland over Brooks Robinson. Scott Rowland never won an MVP. Brooks did. I I don't care about MVPs. Again, like MVPs are voted upon the writers. So who may or may not have made mistakes. Okay. <laughs> there you go. I got you. Um, but like the writers are getting better, I think, in regards to like looking at different things to judge players. But uh, Scott Rowland's superior defense, like like top tier of all time defense, and mixed with his solid status as an offensive player, Scott Rowland, I think, is a Hall of Famer. I think he's in the he's in the same class as Ron Santo. I'll tell you this, man. It was fun watching Scott Rowland play, but especially when he was with the Phillies. When he hit with the Cardinals, the the thing that pretty much ended Scott Rowland from being the real Scott Rowland was that collision at third base during the playoffs. He stopped showing. Yeah, and it was and it kind of ended him being Scott Rowland. Up, up until that point, he was feared, short swing, kick it out of the ballpark, field anything the best at the position. And after that, he kind of kind of slowed down to being good at the position instead of the best. He had some pretty good years in Cincinnati towards the end. He did. He was in the playoffs with Cincinnati. You bet he yeah. was. He was on that great Cincinnati team in 11 and 12. Yeah. Yeah. So, Scott Rowland, I'm saying he's going to be in eventually. I think next year, maybe a year after that, because there's not a really a whole bunch of names coming out next year. Carlos right, Beltran's next-, next year. That's oh, the big okay. one. Beltron should be one. But that's the only one. one. That's the only one I see next year that has a snowball's chance. Yeah. All right, Kurt Schilling. Uh, not a lot of words on Kurt Schilling. Like he came out like publicly and said, "Don't vote for me." And they didn't. Yeah, I mean, they he actually still had fifty-something percent that did. So. <laughs> well, that's because they know he is a really, really great, great pitcher. Yeah, and and this is what I hate about Hall of Fame voting is like people are intermingling politics into it more so than I think they should be. Now, do I agree with Kurt Schilling's politics? I don't want to argue against I don't want to argue for against that. 
does it hurt him? Yeah, it sure does. It does. Coming out and being outspoken like he is, it's like there's going to be a lot of people that say, dude, like you shouldn't say that stuff or you shouldn't right. think or believe that stuff because it's kind of extreme. But uh, And a lot of people do that. A lot of sports figures do that. Uh, but in this case with Kurt Schilling, that's hurt him. And he's not going to get in on the writer's vote. And, and still, he didn't. no, he, he didn't. No, still one of the most iconic moments in the history of Major League Baseball is Kurt Schilling on the mound with the bloody sock. I mean, that's one of those things that 50 years from now, they'll still show that video. Cool. You know how much I hate the bloody sock? You know how much yeah. I hate that? Yes, I And do. how much I wanted to just embrace the conspiracy theory that it wasn't real. <laughs> that I was like, no. Nah. It really wasn't a screw in his ankle. Then I was like, no, nah, they just took some food coloring and like like painted some weird shape and bull. I, I hated that so much. I hate, <laughs> like I could not stand Kurt Schilling at the time. Like in 2001, he had beat the Yankees. In 2004, he beat him again. Like I hated Kurt Schilling because I was. You know, Yankee. a lot of people they they think about the times when Kurt was with Boston, and when Kurt Schilling was with. Uh, uh, Arizona, the Arizonas, but Kurt Schilling put the Phillies in the World Series. Yeah, ninety-three. Yeah, yeah, he was amazing. This guy, well, he had a good long, long career. He was, he was a great pitcher. His walk ratio is one of the best ever. Yeah, so and he's a, and he's a guy that in seasons struck out three hundred guys. Guy was really, really good. He was, he was dominant in his. In his career, he was and a dominant. Then here's the funny, crazy part about this whole thing: is we're talking about Clemens and Bonds not getting in because of PED use. Schilling doesn't get in because of like uh, social. Because he's media. a redneck. <laughs> he doesn't get in because of social media. Yeah, and his political stance. Like it's it again. You know, it's it's all about you know what you choose to believe. Who who writes what? I don't know. I mean, I don't know if it's true or not true. I don't know, but like. Anyway, like people form opinions based on um, sides that they pick, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. Because there are lots of conservative and lots of liberal writers in baseball. It's not like there's all liberal writers or all conservative writers or all in the middle writers. So there's a good mixture of different people. Yeah. Right. So it's not like it's this conspiracy to keep them out, which some people argue that it is. I've, I've gone through and read some of these threads on Facebook, and which is a, horrible thing to, to do because it just it's a loophole of mediocrity the rabbit um, hole <laughs> it's the rabbit <laughs> hole but you know they're just like a lot of people get politically ensconced by this all right so that's shilling uh next on my list uh todd helton did not get in nobody this was his first year of eligibility and he got pretty good if don madeline is not in the hall of fame todd helton's not going to be in the hall of fame period uh, they're all talking about Mattingly now, and they're going back and saying that the Veterans Committee might reconsider Mattingly. I don't. I don't think he should be. Like I, Don Mattingly is one of my all-time favorite players, but I was looking at it the other day. He only had a four to five-year great peak, right? Right, and and only two of those years were where was he was just the supreme dominant player in that league. But he just didn't have the longevity as a peak player. He just got hurt. Helton had, I think, Helton's, I think, very, very similar to Mattingly at the end of their career. They have a very similar type of style of play. Helton just played in Colorado. But he's a great hitter. Um, but I just don't think 
at their position at first base, that it mounts them being a Hall of Fame caliber player. Yeah, yeah, I can I can understand that. Here's the deal with Telton though. His first year in the voting, he pulls 52%. That pretty much is a lock to get in in year three, four, or five. If Helton gets in, Mattingly should be in, period. You know, it, it's great to say, well, if Harold Baines gets in, this guy should get in. And if Jack Morris gets in, this guy gets in. No, they got in. The other guys didn't. You can't mm. compare one against the other. That's what Hall of Fame, though, is, though. It's a comparison among your peers. Kind of is. I'm just saying that trend-wise, at 52% on your first go-around, pretty much going to get in. We'll see. All right, Billy Wagner. Uh, he's trending about the same, maybe a little higher. He's at 51. I put Billy Wagner on my all-time top 10 relievers. Therefore, I think he should be, be in there. But, like, I look at his postseason numbers, and he's not a Hall of Famer on those numbers. And do you get in on your Hall of Fame for the I think postseason? with some positions, probably. Um, yeah. Like, with a relief pitcher like that, especially in the age of Mariano Rivera and uh, Trevor Hoffman, having bad postseason numbers is not a good thing for him. Hoffman didn't have great like, – like, he didn't win a World Series, but Hoffman had way more longevity, I think, than Billy Wagner. So Yeah, like 600 saves. Yeah, Billy Wagner's in the, in, in the era of Rivera and Hoffman, so good luck, you know. Okay. Is Billy Wagner better than Aroldis Chapman? Well, there's a good one. Boy, there's a good one to know. Like, and the Chapman's is, like he's got a few. If he gets a few more years. He's a Hall of Fame candidate guy. He's going to be a candidate. He definitely will. And if character's the issue, there's a guy that got a domestic battery. Yep. So Billy Wagner, maybe Gary Sheffield. Probably not. He's linked to the PEDs. I think he's in the same case as Rafael Palmero. Palmero fell off though, but. They're the same. Like Sheffield, I think, is a scarier hitter, but I think they're the, both the same type of hitter. Yeah. All right. Here's one I think this guy's getting a Hall of Fame eventually. And I think he's going to have a Tim Raines type of case. And it's Andrew Jones. He doesn't have long to go, and he's got a long way to go. Yeah, but he's probably defensively the best center fielder, maybe, that's ever played the game. Well, in, in our lifetime. No, ever, ever. We didn't get to see Speaker. <laughs> right. That's true. But I'm I mean, saying that's, that's it, legend. Speaker's legendary. Speaker is legend. But like, it's a different outfield numbers for back then, though. Like, right. Andrew we Jones. We didn't get to see Oscar Charleston. Is right. Andrew Jones as good as Willie Mays? Uh, defensively, yeah. probably. Like, I, I mean, the numbers suggest that Andrew Jones is better than Mays defensively. There you go. And Mays is like the gold standard. Not offensively, then. No. But Andrew Jones, for a 10-year period, was the elite center fielder of his time. Like, he had Torrey Hunter, right? They had Bernie Williams. Uh, here's the question. Do you re- would you rather have Bernie Williams or Andrew Jones? That's a great question. I, I think of Andrew Jones as this. Every time – and we got to watch the Braves a lot back then on TBS, if you'll remember that. He was on TV almost every day. Every day that Andrew Jones played, he did something that made you go, I got to see that again. Yeah. Show me that again. 
He, he, he dove for something. He ran into a wall. He hit a home run. He didn't run out a ground ball. He didn't hustle after something. Something happened with Andrew Jones every day that made you go, oh, I got to see that again. He was entertaining. I loved watching Andrew Jones. I think he's going to be a good story for the next few And years. if you remember, we used to call him, you and I, we called him Andrua. Oh, yeah? Andrua. Could didn't, couldn't read his name. <laughs> yes. On his baseball card. I remember that. Oh, okay. Okay. Gotcha. All right. Uh, well, Andrew, we'll see. We'll see what happens in the next few years. I'm uh, rooting for him. A-Rod and Manny Ramirez. Man okay. Ram and A-Rod. Both trended at under 35. Less than Bonds. Less than Clemens on their first ballot. I think A-Rod's going to get the same treatment as Bond the Clemens. I do, too. I mean, he got, he got suspended for a full year. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's an admitted. I did it. Yes, I'm guilty. Okay. But one thing that A-Rod's got, he was great with the press and all the people like him. Even though he got moved off of the network, all the people still like him. Yeah, but he's such a divisive character, though, man. Like, it, he's, he doesn't – I don't think all the people like him. I think people will see, like, oh, there's A-Rod, that Yankee, that PED dude. And then they see the – other people see A-Rod as, like, hey, he's a celebrity now. Right. right. And right. It, it's a different – it's like the – I hate making this comparison. And, oh, my gosh, hope people don't destroy me over this. Uh, it's the Joe DiMaggio effect after you're done playing, where he becomes like a huge superstar after his playing day, right? Yeah. And yeah, it's a different love for him and adoration for him as in regards to as opposed to being a player and being a celebrity. And I think Alex Rodriguez right now is a great celebrity. And that's he knows this because it's like, hey, dude, I know I'm probably not gonna get in the Hall of Fame by the voters. I saw what happened to Bonds and Clemens the last few years. Same as Sosa, Mark McGuire, that type of stuff. So, yeah, I, I know my chances are very, very slim. Milk, sure milk do like, sure do like his star power card. <laughs> yes, oh, indeed. And Manny Ramirez, like, come on, he's not getting it. I, I mean, you were this wonderful right-handed, like, horrible fielding outfielder, and then you got caught several times, and you kept on doing it. Like... <laughs> I mean, what can you say about Manny Ramirez at this point? That was entertaining. Manny was entertaining. Yeah. And yeah. Then I mentioned Sosa. Sosa was entertaining, but again, it's just like another guy that just kind of wrecked his own career, right? Here's one for you. Jeff Kent. Oh, man. You know my feelings on Jeff Kent. Those of you that have listened to the podcast – Looked at the cards, you know me, you know that I think Jeff Kent's one of the top five second basemen of all time. Disagree. Gentry disagrees with me. He thinks he might be top 10. Top 15. Top 15, but I think he's one of the best ever. He's an average fielder, tremendous hitter, most powerful second baseman power hitter that's ever played. Here's who I think is much better than Jeff Kent. Lou Whitaker. Not agreeing, but okay. You're entitled <laughs> to that opinion. I think Lou if Whitaker. You had, if you had to start a team and you could pick Jeff Kent, Lou Whitaker, or Ryan Sandberg. If I had to start a team and you have an affordable middle infielder that I think could play for me for 15 years, 
Lou Whitaker. And he's got numbers almost exactly like Alan Trammell. Lou probably find his way in in a few years. He's I know great. Cubs fans are mad with like the whole Sandberg denial thing, but Lou Whitaker, I'm sorry, like cost effective, gets on base, hits with power, fields really well. Sandberg's big thing, the claim to fame for Rhino, is he got to play in Chicago and on TV every day. Yeah, I mean, I mean, Sandberg became a the same thing as Whitaker, though. But like, and he's faster, I think. But he costs more. He's more expensive. Like Whitaker, um, kind of like floats in under the radar a little bit. Yeah, that's what I like about him. Yeah, I mean that that's one of the big things that's helping Andrew Jones. He played on TV every day. That's what got Ryan Sandberg famous. I mean, he became a celebrity. He became a celebrity by being the Cubs' second baseman. He was on WGN every day, so people got to see him, and they got they everybody felt like we kind of knew him, you know. Yeah. That's Rhino, man. Yeah, great, and he's a great second baseman. And well, Harry Carey. Well, moving to shortstop. Here's a couple of shortstops that I can get on the list. All right, um, Jimmy Rollins and Omar Vizquel. And I don't think either one of them belong. Um, looking at Jimmy Rollins' numbers offensively, he does not get in based on the last part of his career. He had that great MVP season, was on that really great Phillies run. Actually, Jimmy Rollins, I think, is like you put him, I think you put him as one of your top 10 shorts of all time, right? Yes. Yeah. Um, he's not for me. Love Jimmy Rollins, though. I don't think he's a Hall of Famer. Same like with Vizquel. Like, and again, Vizquel, wonderful, wonderful def- defender, not a great offensive player. And anybody that tries to argue for Omar Vizquel being great offensively, like, come on, man, go look, go look at the deep, deep numbers. But if you had to pick between Omar Vizquel and Jimmy Rollins, have better having a better shot at the Hall of Fame, who do you got, Vizquel or Rollins? Probably Vizquel. Even though Vizquel here lately has had some bad press. Yeah. Yeah, he's had some problems. Yeah. Whose card would I rather use in Star Power Baseball? J roll, J roll, you got it. I like that switch hitting power man with that can steal bases too. Is he an R two or R one though? Because like I know his rating or his range went down towards the end of his career. Let me take a look real quick. But like, yeah, J roll more power, uh, equal base running speed. Viscal, actually, Viscal's on base is not too bad, but he just have any, he doesn't have any power, man. That's what I don't like about him. But yeah. That, that, but Vizquel would be like an Ozzy Smith guy where he just kind of gets in based on defensive merit. J Roll is kind of more, I think, of a okay defense and okay offense. You know, see, he's okay. Actually, he's he's good. He's like a, a 10 year solid MLB, like an Andrew McCutcheon type of guy. Like Andrew McCutcheon, uh, I think the last few years of his career has kind of shown that he might not be in the Hall of Fame, but Andrew McCutcheon for 10 years was he's probably better than J- Jimmy Rollins, but. McCutcheon was just so good. Okay, and Jimmy Rollins is a shortstop 52. Okay. 45-plus base runner. That's switch hitter. Yeah, yeah. Just don't have respin, but oh well. No respin. Right. Two lefty pitchers didn't get in. And this is like the last of the top 5%. And then we'll get to the ones who will not get a vote again. Yeah. Andy Pettit. Which I do, Andy Pettit. I do not think he should be in the Hall of Fame. I really don't. I I, I think he's kind of a case of uh, 
those Yankees guys from the thirties and twenties that got in like Wade Hoyt and Herb Pinnock and lefty Gomez and red roughing, or, you know, it's just like, red I don't even think he's that good, but he's not, I don't think he is at all. He's not as good as those guys. And that's why I don't think he should get in. Right. I think he's in the classification of Mel Stottlemyre. There you go. He's but, he won, but he won five world series though. So yes, uh, Stottlemyre was not as big of a, of a champion as uh, Pettit was, even though Stottlemyre, wasn't he the pitching coach then? He was, and then he won a couple world series also. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So Pettit, like he's good because if, if you put Pettit on the, here's the question. If Pettit was a nineties brave, would he be a Hall of Famer? Well, he admitted to doing steroids. HGH. Yes. Yeah. And then, again, that's that whole debate where it's like, well, I mean, I mean, he said he did, right? So why are people still voting for him? Um, the next one, okay, this one really surprised me that he got higher votes than some of these other guys. Uh, Mark Burley. Great with the press, threw a perfect game. But Mark Burley, like, yeah, nah, he's not a Hall of Famer, man. Come on. Like, well, he's on the ballot and only got 5.8. He'll drop off next year. Oh, but okay, okay. So, yes, you're right. And hold on. I got, but here's who Mark Burley scored higher than, which I was just like really surprised by Tim Hudson. Mm-hmm. Tim Hudson is better than Mark Burley, in my opinion. And Hudson got 3% less of the vote. It's kind of weird. I don't know. Like, okay, yeah. anyway, there's just squabble. Okay, here's another guy that is going to be on the ballot again. And I think is legitimate Hall of Fame guy, Bobby Obreu. I think he's linked to steroids also. How? Just because you think that he did? Well, or he is wins the any... home run derby. Oh, he won come. the home run derby, which is. Now like you're just. You're, whatever. You're, you're doing speculation. speculation. Yeah, exactly. Exactly am. And I bet the writers are too. Abreu's got one of those best on-base percentages in the history of the game. His, his, his star power card is like a first-round draft pick. But you think 90% of the writers are like, oh, well, that one home run derby. I don't know. Come on. Like, no. <laughs> like, Bobby Abreu, if he did – I mean, he's not super, like, analytical data stuff. Like, he just gets on base. He's like Joey Votto. Abreu had a major fall off on his power numbers. After the home run derby. (laughs) After the home run derby. After 2005, Abreu Abreu hit – he was never a big home run hitter anyway. I mean, 30 a couple times. He was a 20 home run guy. Yeah. He's a hero He's a Harold Baines. He's a Harold Baines kind the of better. only better on base percentage, 395 on base percentage. That's pretty stout. I think I think Abreu, I think Abreu kind of has a Tim Raines case going for him where it's like they're going to discover how good he was as the years pass. I, I'll tell you what. I sure enjoy using his star power card. I love using the Abreu card. Yeah. He's fr- he's, he can hit anywhere in the lineup. Yeah. yeah. I mean, he's a good leadoff hitter. Yeah, he's all good. The guy actually, the guy actually you know, because he gets on base so much, but he had a lot of seasons there of 30 stolen bases. He's a 30-30 guy. Yeah. yeah. You know? Yeah, so I think Abreu's I think Abreu's gonna rise. A few more people here. Tim Lenscombe, two point eight or two percent around that. But he have three good years. Yeah, 
basically. I, well, yeah. From 07 to 10, maybe. Yeah, four good years, yeah. Yeah. Um, two Scions. Uh yeah. Joe Nathan. Good reliever. Years, man. Solid he, he played forever. Yeah. Here's another twin. Tory Hunter, sadly, is gone. Uh, I tell you, I got to watch Tory Hunter when he was 13 years old. Uh, twins fans are going to hate this. Yeah. Tory Hunter is just as good as Kirby Puckett. Boy, that's a tough thing to say right now. I'm sorry. I, I'm sorry. Uh, Puckett won the World Series title, but uh, Tory yes. Hunter is Tory Hunter is just as good as Kirby Puckett. He didn't win the titles, so he's not that good, but I think he's just as good a center fielder as Kirby Puckett. It's kind of sacrilegious right there. <laughs> hey, you know, <laughs> I got to defend the Arkansas guys, man. All right. Is that so, Mickey? Do you think, does Mickey ever listen to our podcast? Um, I don't know. <laughs> you need to tell him that we mentioned his twin. I, I, I took a so. crack at Kirby Puckett. Yes, um, took a crack yeah. at Kirby. Ryan Howard, the, the office employee, excuse me, the Philadelphia Phillies first baseman. Too little, too late. <laughs> on how like, it was too little, he, got, too late. he exposed himself like when he signed that big contract and just did not perform uh aj yeah, Pers- was too little too late yeah Came up aj pierzynski got a vote or two <laughs> yeah he did that's one vote he got one vote same with one prince vote, fielder yeah. justin morneau another twin all right you know, jonathan um, papelbon is a scary thing he actually if you look at his numbers is one of the greatest relief pitchers that ever played the game. I put him in my top 10 of all time. When I I'm telling you. List. Yeah, is, I think people got it wrong in Papelbon. <laughs> I totally agree with you. And I think the reason that Papelbon didn't get it is because he punched Bryce Harper. Yeah, you can't – I mean, don't punch my boy. Don't That's punch not cool. Bryce Harper. <laughs> not cool, bro. Not cool. Uh, he Mark messed DeSharon. up his hair, man. He you messed don't up mess up the hair. hair. It's like when Harper has the hair, dude, you can't mess it up. Uh, Mark yeah. Teixeira got a vote. I which, sure again, I, I'll tell you, Mark I think Teixeira that's low. I think funny. that's low. He should have been in the elite. Like, he's as good as Fred McGriff. He, Mark Teixeira was a great player. But, again, there's another guy linked to steroids. Like The word link is so. Hey, I'm with you, but that you, it is what it is. All right, here's the thing that I think are sad. Three guys that I show that don't get any votes. Jake Peavy, Prince Fielder, and Carl Crawford. Prince got one. He got one? Yeah. Just sad, man. Prince Fielder. No, Prince got two votes. Prince got two. Prince Prince deserved to be a little bit higher on that. He was fun Um, to watch. That neck injury ended him. No votes for Jake Peavy? None. And Mark Burley had over 5% of the votes, and Jake Peavy gets none? I think that's just bad luck, but like history's going to look at Jake Peavy a little bit differently. Like Jake Peavy for yeah. like three years was just solid, so good, and then he just kind of became average, right? Yeah. But like, I mean, no votes. I don't know who would you rather have, Jake Peavy or Andy Pettit? Who would you rather in their have, prime, Jake Peavy in their or prime. Mark Burley? Oh, if I took a picture picture in their prime between Andy Pettit, Mark Burley, and Jake Peavy, I take Jake Peavy in his prime. Probably would, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Seventeen then, votes for Joe Nathan—that stuns me. Yeah, because he yeah. was great. And then finally, Carl Crawford, man, dude, he was like the premier, like one-two hitting guy for like five years of baseball. Yeah, injuries killed him when he got to L.A. Or Boston. Injuries ended him. 
Yeah. He was so good before that. With Tampa Bay, he was just, oh, my gosh. I just remember him being so, so good with Tampa Bay. Oh, yeah. But no votes for no votes for Crawford. So, yeah. tough, man, tough. All right, so um, that's about so it. We have seven kids. people, seven people in July that are going to be in. Do you think that uh, Hendricks will give the uh, speech for Buck Leonard? I hope so. I mean, Buck O'Neill. Buck O'Neill. Yeah, no, I hope so. Like uh, that, I think that'd be fitting our, you know, family member or something. But I definitely think it needs to be addressed. Actually, I think Bob Kendrick's actually the perfect person. I really enjoy listening to the way he talks. The guy tells a story and makes. Oh, he's got it. He's got the. He's got the voice, man. He's He's so good. He's a tremendous storyteller. What we're talking about here, there's a podcast out there. Here we go, pushing a podcast called Black Diamonds. Yeah. And if you have not listened to Black Diamonds, you need to give it a shot because it is so much fun to listen to stories about Negro League ball players. And when Bob Kendrick tells the story, it sounds like they did it because they loved it. Yeah. My favorite yeah. one of my favorite episodes is the John Donaldson one, man. That's yeah. a good one. Yeah. Where the one guy goes in and spends his entire life researching John Donaldson in his hometown. Yeah. It's yeah. tremendous. Yeah. Well, that, that about does it for today. And uh thank you guys for the listen. Uh we appreciate it. Uh make sure to check us out on Facebook. Anything else, Cincinnati Dennis? I think we're good today. A Hall of Fame, pretty much a Hall of Fame show, guys. Yeah. A Hall of Fame set will be coming out sometime this year. We've yeah. got cards coming out. Welcome to the new members. Welcome to the club. Hope you catch the podcast. And uh, Gentry, what does Gabe always tell us? He tells us that the dice are nice, but the spin is in. And it is. Keep spinning. We'll see you next time on the next episode of the Star Power Cast on Star Power Baseball. That was dramatic.